The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Now, excuse all the numbers, but they are relevant. So, as I just mentioned, Sherry Fitzgerald, the estate agent, has made a calculation that about 15,000 rental tenancies could be lost from the private rental sector this year as smaller landlords continue to exit the market. We had figures as well coming out today which showed that there were not far short of 12,000 notices to quit issued last year. 4,329 of them came in the fourth quarter of 2022 when the Eviction ban was still in place. We've two guests with us. Aoife uh, Kelly Desmond is managing solicitor at the Mercy Law Resource Centre. Thank you very much for joining us. Aoife, if somebody gets a notice of termination and they decide that they have nowhere else to go to, what happens if they stay on in the flat or house? So if somebody has a notice of termination and they think there might be something wrong with it, they can institute a dispute in the RTB. Uh, while that dispute's ongoing, the notice of termination is effectively paused. So if that process is going on, someone might have a little bit more time to work through things. If the notice has come to an end and the person is now past the date that they were supposed to leave, then they're overholding, which means they no longer have any legal right to stay in the tenancy and they're effectively now staying there without a legal right. Now, that doesn't mean the landlord can come in and you know pull somebody out of the door in the middle of the night. The landlord has to go through a procedure to actually have that person removed but once someone's in an overholding situation, that is the situation that they're in, which is quite an unstable way for someone to be living. If the person is overholding, as you describe it, should they continue to pay their rent? Absolutely. If someone is overholding, they still have their full obligations to pay their rent. What a landlord would normally do in that situation is lodge a dispute with the Residential Tenancies Board and they can get a determination order that the person has to leave. If the person has also not been paying their rent in that period, the rent will be awarded to the landlord, so they'll have an order against them that they have to pay what could end up being quite a big lump sum. So it does make the situation worse if someone isn't paying their rent. And can it end up in a black mark as they look for a different place to go and live? Yes, a a determination order of the RTB is a public record. So if somebody does either bring their landlord to the RTB to challenge a notice and they lose, or if their landlord brings them there to get them out because they're overholding, there'll be a public record on the RTB website under their name that they brought that dispute. And that's something that any future landlord can look at and see that it's there. Does a landlord have to go to court to get somebody to move out of their property? Well, once a notice of termination has come to an end, as I said, a person has no legal right to stay there. So most people will leave in that situation. If the landlord then wants to press to remove them, they go to the RTB. If the person still doesn't leave after that determination order is there, then the landlord goes to the district court. Then if the person still doesn't leave after that, the landlord can go and enforce the district court order with a sheriff. So there's a number of stages there, but at each stage there's a consequence to that. So if something goes to the district court, there's a legal costs come into play. Yeah, it's how expensive is it all and who pays for it? Well, if it, if the landlord goes to the district court and wins, the tenant would usually be made responsible for those costs, which could be thousands of euro. And if it then goes to the stage where the landlord has to go and get a sheriff involved, you're talking, again, more thousands of euro. And usually it will be the tenant who'd be made responsible for that. And when you say the sheriff, who actually does eventually an eviction? And what is allowed to happen in the case of a court order that tenants have to leave? So... Once there is a court order in place, it is a very serious thing to not comply with it. And the vast majority of people will comply with a court order when it's in place. If they don't, there's an enforcement procedure through the district court involving more lawyers, more cost, more orders. 
eventually that enforcement order, which it's called, can be brought to a sheriff, which is a body that can come in and actually enforce the order physically. Again, the vast, vast majority of cases, if a sheriff gets involved, they will engage with the tenant and say, we are going to come and repossess the property on X date. Most tenants will agree to leave before that. If they don't, the sheriff, which is a private entity effectively, can come and change the locks and take back possession of the property. Okay, change the locks. Are they allowed to physically remove material from the flat or the house? Are they allowed to touch the people who may be inside? So... Generally, it is extremely rare for an eviction to get to the point where a sheriff is actually physically removing people. Sheriffs aren't law enforcement. They're not able to physically manhandle people out of a property. But at that point, someone is a trespasser in breach of a court order if they're still there. So that's where you get into, I suppose, a much more contentious situation. Because there was controversy about five or six years ago, I think it was in the North Frederick Street area Mm -hmm. of Dublin, where the Gardaí observed I don't know if there were sheriffs or private security going in and removing people. What is the role of the Gardaí? Because this is something we spoke earlier uh, to the Association of Garda Sergeants and Inspectors, Antoinette Cunningham, about, and she was looking for some clarity from the Garda Commissioner about it tomorrow. What's your understanding of the legal position of the role of the Gardaí? So my understanding is that the role of a gar- of the Gardaí in that situation is to keep the peace. The Gardaí are not there to physically pull people out of properties. They're there to make sure that there is no breach of the peace, which could be, you know, a sheriff being heavy handed, which, you know, isn't something that would generally happen, but it's something that could happen or it could be a tenant refusing to leave and becoming aggressive or something like that. The guards are there to prevent that happening. They're not there to enforce the eviction. It's the sheriff that's there to enforce the eviction. I want to begin, John Mark McClafferty, the chief executive of Threshold. Those figures that I gave about the potential for 15,000 tenancies disappearing this year, how worrying would that be to you? That would be a further worry. Um, and the question is where, you know, you mentioned that it's aware where, where would people go. Um, most likely emergency accommodation if there simply isn't the um, housing supply, the rental housing supply. Um, there'd be small numbers that might be able to uh, you know, be purchased with a tenant in situ. You have that first refusal um, scheme that the, the government's talking about. But really, um, people would be relying on things like increased social housing supply, uh, coming on stream cost rental, by the approved housing bodies. And how um, quickly, John Mark, can that be done? Um, in, in terms of the, the, the housing output, you mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, well, this is this is going to take years to address because uh, we, we have a level of need uh, which far outstrips the rate of, of, of uh, supply and the rate of delivery of housing. And while, you know, the numbers um, are, are going in the right direction, um, there's still a huge amount of, of, of housing needs across all tenures, owner occupation, social housing, um, private rented housing. And even where there is delivery, it's often, say, for example, the uh, uh, swathes of apartments that are for the rental market. They've been built specifically for the rental market, but for a particular type part of the um, the market, which is usually on, at the higher the higher end. Um, but so it's, it's not there's... any increase in supply to the betterment of the situation that if people do move up into the more expensive apartments, that it then allows for other cheaper accommodation to become available. Generally speaking, yes. Um, the more you build, the greater of the, uh, the supply that there is. Um, but the, you need to take into account what um, what displacement that there might have been in terms of building that that particular type of supply. 
Um, you know, I remember the, the arguments um, 15, 20 years ago around um, the affordable housing um, initiative. And, you know, there, were, there was a concern by social housing providers that there might have been some level of displacement um, within their sector as a result of the affordable housing back 15, 20 years ago. And I think that was born out at the time. Um, but yes, I mean, where you have wholesale um, supply coming onto the market, um, that's generally welcome, but um, it may just address um, afford you know access for particular cohorts of, of renters. Okay. Others may still be struggling um, at the lower end of the market to access anything. John Mark McClafferty, how much emergency accommodation is available at Threshold and at other organisations like yours? Well. We are an advice and a tenancy rights and a, and a homeless prevention organisation. So we're all about um, keeping people in their rented homes. So by the time uh, people are trying to access emergency accommodation, you're in a different kind of sphere there. So um, the question there is how much um, emergency accommodation do the local authorities have? Um, it's in short supply. There is a question of, of capacity there as we anticipate an increase in, in the number of households that will need those um, those services. Um, and remember that we're coming into um, the beginning of a tourist season, so the hotels that um, the local authorities may have been able to use over the winter period, uh, they'll be less likely to be called upon. And I think um, another issue really is um, the overall impact of supply of, from um, the rise of the short let market where entire houses and apartments are let for swathes of the year, um, where that has been left to go unpoliced. And that must have had an impact uh, in terms of the available uh, rent, longer-term rental supply that would have been available had uh, okay. long-term lets not been, uh, or long-term lets been regulated uh, appropriately. John Mark McCafferty of Threshold, thank you. Just one last one to you, Aoife Kelly-Desmond is Managing Solicitor of the Mercy Law Research Centre. What about Airbnb? Has there been enough done by the authorities to crack down on homeowners using Airbnbs or using properties, not necessarily with permission, that could be used for rental accommodation? Well, they do have powers to enforce it. It doesn't seem those powers have been used very intensely so far, although I know there was a, a bit of coverage today on an investigation that's been done right now. And it's good to see those powers being used because certainly when you see something like a landlord taking an entire unit off the market to Airbnb it, that's an illegal eviction effectively. Um, and it should be being enforced. So I think the powers haven't been used much, but it's good to see they might be starting to use what they do have. Thank you very much, Aoife. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.